This is a Need 10 Media production. Hello, it's Nate Kleber again. Welcome aboard for this episode of That's a Job podcast. And on this show, we talk to professionals about jobs that many of us may have not known existed. And there are also some jobs that you've heard of and are familiar with, but we get a chance to have you learn more about that and the pathway to get to that. Uh, in this episode, I'm excited to connect with uh, Lauren Kelly again. She is someone I met during the shutdown of 2020 and uh, helped with uh, the high school program. I work with CAPS and we've stayed in contact since then. We do some similar work in helping students and families, although our paths and our uh, ultimate work is a little bit different, but uh, so excited to Lauren to see you again and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nate. Pleasure to be here. Well, Lauren, let's uh, let's go back to when you were in that uh, high school setting in Missouri and getting ready to graduate. Where did you think you were going? I just knew I was going to be a high school business teacher. I loved being a student from a young age, and I was also that terrible big sister that made my little brother be my student from <laughs> Uh, and I just, I just always had a passion for, for teaching and learning. So I, in throughout high school, I became really involved with FBLA and I loved how I can see how, how useful a business class is. So it was counting computers. I could see how I was going to use that information in the future, but really sparked a passion within me. Um, so got involved being a teacher's assistant in that area, president of the FBLA club and, that was that was it. That was what I was going to do. So going into college and you're at Emporia State, did that waiver as you were going through? Any any other things kind of come and present themselves to you? Or you think you were pretty hard on that line of still following that pathway? Yeah, I was dead set on that goal. And having taken a lot of dual enrollment classes my junior and senior year, actually able to complete my bachelor's degree in three years. And so there really wasn't, because I had done a lot of those gen eds up front, there really wasn't a lot of time for flexibility in, in changing that major um, because I was really out the gate early in my first year of college, kind of starting on some of those education courses. Uh, but I also was able to gain some great experience tutoring that really solidified my interest. The only thing I noticed, because I went to community college first for a year to finish up that associate degree, was how awesome it looked like the look to be teaching at that level and how autonomous those instructors were and how the responsibility was on the student. So it planted a little bit of a seed in me, but I still was definitely on the path in uh, secondary education. So you graduated with your undergrad and you went right. Did you go right away for your, your graduate program then? I didn't. Nope. I, I uh, taught high school. Uh, I started in the Wichita, Kansas area and I taught a year of business at the high school level. And then I got married and my husband is in the military and we promptly moved. And I, I realized at that point we we're going to be moving quite a lot. Uh, and it kind of made sense to go ahead and go back to school and get my master's degree. And that would open up doors for me in post-secondary education. So I learned from that first year of teaching how awesome, but also challenging the secondary level can be. And I came back to my own experiences at community college and thought higher education is something I don't have to have a license from state to state as we're moving, but I still get to 
have a, a classroom and be impactful with students. So I, I started my graduate degree after a year of teaching, but I well, didn't take a break. Well, that's, you know, that's one, uh, I guess I'll say it's an occupation because there's a lot that goes to it is being that military spouse and how that changes. I guess let's, let's talk about that a little bit deeper because there are people out there that know people that uh, uh, have moved on or are in military world and maybe the trailing spouse. How does that, you know, how that all works and the life of, of, uh, of, of the, of that spouse. Cause you're, um, you know, your husband, because the Air Force, if I remember right, their their pathway isn't necessarily designed and, and you're in tow. Talk through that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in naval aviation. So yes, naval, he would slap me if that was it. Right. You know, totally offended. Naval aviation. <laughs> naval aviation. Yeah. It, you know, we both grew up in small towns in the Midwest and lived in the same house growing up all the time. So transition and a lot of the uh, changes change wasn't a part of our dna at that point in our lives and so probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me was his career because it's pushed me outside of my comfort zone more often than i even imagined it would you know we've lived in different states and different countries and every single experience every time we've moved i've actually been able to move forward in my career and that's something that i think a lot of people um other fellow spouses have have struggled with uh, but each time I was able to advance in some way. And, you know, I, I taught my first college class at age 24 at a four-year four year university. And I would have never in a million years uh, even applied for that job if I hadn't been, you know, just planted in South, South Texas and had the opportunity to apply for that. So in so many ways, it's been great for us, but definitely for my career because it's, it's uh challenged me to accomplish goals sooner than I was probably thought I might have been ready. <laughs> well, it's amazing what life can throw at you and and also how you adapt to it or adjust to it or react to it. Because, you know, did you even have an idea when you stepped foot in that first high school job that maybe it wasn't going to be a long-term thing? Was there, was there thoughts through that? Uh, he, we were engaged at that point and he was thinking about you know, he was he was applying for these opportunities. In the this wasn't real. It wasn't real yet. It was not real yet. No, no. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I Like I said, I grew up in a small town where the teachers that I had in high school had been there their entire life. So to me, it just seemed normal that I would, you know, be a teacher for 30 years in high school. And I hadn't really thought too far beyond that, I guess. But like I said, just being thrown into a whole different area of the country with different ways of doing things really opened my eyes to how many other possibilities there are. So, yeah, you take that. I'm sure there was people too, that they saw you as that, that teacher growing up too, right? That, that you, you talked about being a, uh, being a, a youth and you were playing teacher and you're in the front of the room. You weren't sitting in the, in the little seats. There was probably some people surprised that you jumped out of that and took off and, like you said, it's something that you're glad you did because it had such an impact on you. I guess reflect on that a little bit. Yeah, the work I do now with with students, I I often remind them that you know choosing a specific role, like me, a high school teacher, you've got to be a little bit more flexible with that. Like within an industry, like now I think I'm an educator. 
Uh, and I that I wear different roles at different points depending on the project I'm working on. Um, but I'm a, I'm an educator now, and so I think that keeping your your mind open and just knowing that you're going to evolve professionally and find out niches of things that you really enjoy uh, is one way to really help ensure that fulfillment piece. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, it's interesting too that if you had gone on right away to a university and missed that that one year of community college that seemingly opened your eyes to, to something you maybe hadn't really thought about, you know, what pathway you may or may not have been on with that type of experience. Absolutely. Yes. It was, it was fundamental in my uh, decisions that I've made in progressing in my career, for sure. So, you know, you've continued to, to support, I guess, learning at that higher ed level. But, you know, um, as so many people that I've talked to on on this podcast, they found some other opportunities outside of a W-2 job to really try and help uh, solve some problems uh, for a profit, if, if that. Um, and, and you found a way to kind of work your way into some some career coaching and some career education consulting, I guess. How did that all start? You know, going back you know, four or five years ago when that all kind of began. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we were living in California and my husband had the incredible opportunity to essentially do a foreign exchange job in the UK. And at the time we didn't have any children. It seemed like an incredible opportunity. Again, growing up in small towns, we hadn't even left the country before really, (laughs) Uh, besides a day trip to Mexico. Uh, So we blindly, yep, we're going to, we're just going to do it, jump in. So we packed up everything, moved to the UK for three years. And, but that meant, you know, kind of ch- closing a chapter here on my growing career in California. So I thought, uh, but what happened was there was a big need for professional development within um, the organizations out here. And so I was hired on as a consultant to develop trainings for these professionals that are serving students. And I flew back Prior to COVID, I flew back several times a year and delivered those trainings face to face. So again, here I thought, you know, oh gosh, I'm going to have to totally start from scratch in another place. It didn't happen that way. I was able to still leverage those connections. And that's the work that I'm still doing today, you know, several years later. And so I'm still teaching and learning. I'm still in a passion for it. But now the end user sometimes are instructors and support staff at uh, community colleges. So um, along with that, though, I, I also noticed, you know, here I had been working with students um, in a capacity for several years. At this point, I think it was about eight years in higher education. And there was this recurring theme of, I don't feel confident in my major. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had developed some career planning courses. So I thought, why not also offer those service, services privately? Uh, and I noticed that specifically students in four-year universities were really missing those opportunities to uh, get asked the tough questions of what is the best fit for you and then why can you can you support that? And so uh, I started doing that work as well. So uh, that was my first kind of transition into the private realm, if you will, of teaching and learning. And I, I didn't even think those opportunities existed, to be honest. It was something that was totally new to me. It took um, other people presenting me with opportunities for me to recognize what what opportunities were. Yeah. And I've heard that before. And, and we've talked about it here on the podcast with some other guests. It's 
it's always amazing when somebody can come to you and they see something in you that you don't maybe necessarily clearly see and present an opportunity to you. You know, I, I guess take me through that conversation of somebody who came to you and said, I think you'd be good at this or, or how can you help with this? Cause they see a skill set in you that maybe you didn't put as much value in. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It was, to be completely honest, I was really uncomfortable at first because I thought, oh my gosh, they're trusting me way too much. And and then I really started thinking about the unique experiences that I had had, you know, from, I I'd worked with students all the way from middle school up to students that had retired from a first career and were going back for retraining or, or new opportunities. And, uh, and then I thought about my own experience engaging people and, and how I've, the successes I'd had with that. And it, it really made sense. They needed someone with those diverse experiences um, that also had the time and the flexibility to do the traveling. And it just was the perfect, perfect storm, I guess. But it did really, I had to, I had to really hype myself up at first for, for um, transitioning from, from teaching students to other professionals like that sparked a little bit of imposter syndrome in me at first, if I'm honest, just because I hadn't had any experience really developing um, professional development. So uh, I had to trust that my mentors, uh, they saw that, that, that potential in me. I had to really kind of trust that, yes, if, if they think I can do this, I can definitely do this. And it's been, it's been such a great journey. I'm going to dive deeper on the, you know, the imposter syndrome uh, that comes in and yeah, you get presented with an idea and you have doubts in yourself and, and you get up in front and you probably still leave uh, that training or presentation or a workshop thinking, wow, I hope they didn't see right through that, that I don't really know what I'm doing, but you did know what you're doing. I guess at what point did you feel like that kind of went away that, that you feel like you had some confidence and credibility in that with others? Um, really, it took me educating myself on one, what is imposter syndrome and what, which part of it really am I struggling with? But the other one that really resonated with me, Brene Brown talks about um, FFTs or freaking first times. And I realized it was like a combination of those two that were really wigging me out, making me feel like I wasn't prepared for what I was about to deliver. But one of the things um, after educating myself that made the biggest difference was evaluations at the end. And just uh, before I would go and deliver the next training, one, I had critiqued it and made it better. But also I could look back at those evaluations and remind myself um, that no one else is doing this work. And even if it maybe isn't meeting my unrealistic perfectionist ideals, it's really helping people and nothing else like it exists. And that alone, the fact that I'm willing to, you know, be in the arena and do the work uh, is important. And it is not only impacting the professionals that I'm helping, but then the students that they're impacting as well. Yeah. You know, there's that time where all of a sudden you get some feedback or you have uh, an instructor, even some of the families or students that you work with. That that come to you and maybe even unexpectedly, you know, there's an impact you have, you know, that's talk about that feeling, you know, or an example of, of when that's happened that you're like, I didn't think they were even paying attention. And, and here's the impact or where somebody actually has moved on uh, because of an influence that you had. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Happens all the time now. And it's so wonderful. Yes. Uh, it happens all the time now. I think, you know, 
the the biggest thing I've had to I've had have come to realize through um, the private work that I'm doing in the consulting and coaching work is that everyone processes information differently. And I'm an extrovert, so oftentimes you can see on my face nonverbals um, that I'm excited about something or that I'm picking it up. And sometimes you get a group or even a, a single person that is more introverted and they're kind of just sitting back and processing. They're not verbally giving you a lot of feedback, but then suddenly at the end of it, that gratitude comes through or they sign up for more work with you. Um, and that's really when I know um, that I've, I've been really impactful when they just keep coming back for more because it was such a valuable use of their time. So as things evolved and in, in the business that you had, and, and I'm going to go back to, you know, I, I came across a post that you had on Instagram and I had to do some research in 2019. And I think that was a point where I was trying to figure out maybe I had a little bit of imposter syndrome of or doubting that there was this need of work of working with families or high school students to help them find a pathway beyond high school. And here's somebody out there, you know, that's doing the same work. Uh, yeah. I think there's probably somebody like, I got to shut her down. She's competition, but you weren't, you know, but I, you know, I reached out on LinkedIn. I went back to the message and uh, just connected. And then I, I fast forward and there might've been some random following through them. But it was March 2020, and all of a sudden we're all home, and we're trying to force online learning to uh, these students out here. And uh, with our CAPS program, I was like, we got to add some value to to this. And you were doing a lot of um, posts or you know social media or whatever on on resumes, and and we, I think we had talked about it a little bit uh, when we had met uh, online. But I reached out and I was like we need something and we can't do our resume workshop that we usually do in person. Can I bring somebody in an expert? And that's always a value of, can you bring somebody in that does this work instead of just that regular teacher that maybe hasn't put a resume together for 15 or 20 years to do that? You know, I guess reflect back on that and and what you were doing at the time, because you're probably trying to figure out where things were going. Yeah. Everyone, I feel like in March, 2020 was trying to figure out where um, things were going. Yeah. Uh, so at the time, um, I had launched my career coaching business a couple of years prior. I was helping students discover the path that was going to bring them fulfillment, but also um, helping young professionals with their professional brand, resume writing, cover letter uh, writing. And yeah, I was putting content out there because people were struggling. There were so many layoffs. And, you know, I've reminded myself, the part you talked about competition, like, some people would think, oh, well, Nate and Lauren might be in competition in some aspects. And I, I love that neither one of us ever really thought about it that way, because I always believe in investing in people. And that if, if we can collaborate and bring value to other people, that's relationship building. And I loved the opportunity to get to uh, share that with, with your students, because while you also uh, were helping students find a, a path, the resume aspect wasn't one that was really in your in your wheelhouse. So I was able to bring some value to your audience in that way. And I've just found throughout my career, I'm, I'm wired to help people. And it makes me feel good to see others overcome obstacles. So any opportunity that allows me to connect and bring, bring value, I'm always game for. I'm going to bet just like I, I was, um, or when I get asked to do something that maybe I'm not quite prepared to do, it forces me to have to put something together. So you had to rapidly, uh, I, I probably gave you a week or two, I would think, 
uh, to put together what that would look like and 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 do it online. Had you ever done a workshop like that at that point online? I don't think so. I think that might have been my first workshop online. Um, little did I know all of my professional development trainings were going to be online from that point forward. But uh, up to that point, I had been working on Zoom a lot because I was in the UK, but it was always one-on-one. So I hadn't had such a large group. Um, a lot of screen sharing and strategy talk going on. So that was, yeah, that was probably my first large group in a virtual environment, which was definitely a great learning learning experience for me. And that's out there. And I'll put that link in the show notes if people want to to register and go back uh, and, and talk about resumes. But, you know, let's get into that work and where you really started seeing traction in, in doing that resume work and you know, and now that's something that you really have become an expert in and are focusing a, a chunk of your business on helping people get their cover letters done, their uh, resumes, uh, interview prep, um, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, talk through that business and how that growth. Yeah, I, I've always loved that strategy. I feel like it's such a great challenge to hear someone's story and their experiences and then get it on one page <laughs> in a really uh, thought-provoking and curiosity-seeking way. And so, you know, I've, I've always been kind of a go-to person for friends and family members. When I was doing uh, my career coaching formal training, I that was an aspect I really enjoyed. But uh, professionally, my work had been with students and uncovering a path. So I, I really, while I could do both, that in recent years, that had been more of my focus. So I was, I was kind of marketing that side. Uh, but really, I, as I, as um, some of my my friends and peers at that age were going looking for their next career move, they were reaching out to me, and I realized just how much fun I had with it. Every single person is is totally unique; their experiences are different, and I realized how uh, America struggles to write a resume that is highly tailored. They're, they're often really generic. There's a focus on duties over outcomes. And I possess a unique ability to ask great questions and dig and find the gems of information they had never even thought about including on a resume. So, uh, you know, now I love strategizing like, okay, uh, I, you'll never find on my uh, resumes usually generic headings. Uh, I'm looking for those strategies. What is going to jump off the page with that employer? So um, I just have fallen in love with the process of getting to know that that person's really unique experiences and outcomes, and then having some time to strategize and write something that just just rises to the top of the stack in a, in a sea of applicants. How is that? How has the resume changed in the last? You know, you know, I guess has it changed since twenty twenty when we talked about it? Uh, or the process of getting people hired and and with the great resignations, things have changed a little bit there too, but there's some processes that I, I got to think of have, have changed, but some old methods have still stayed the same. Definitely um, the use of resume screening software and application software is on the rise. And so being able to identify some of those target words uh, that an employer might have in that software so that your resume makes it past the software and in front of a human. But also, you know, we are, our culture, we have such short attention spans. And so it used to be like, oh, you have 30 seconds or so to capture attention. And now it's like, 
your resume has got about five or six to really spark the curiosity for them to keep reading. So it's, it's so important, um, not only where the information is, is presented on the page, but how it's organized. Um, like I said, one of the, one of my favorite parts is figuring out, okay, how am I going to use headings and sections? And every single resume, I go a totally different route. It just depends on what that, what that job uh, seeker has to offer of how I'm, I'm going to word those. And so the days of uh, it being a strictly con- chronological resume, like we may have maybe would have written 10 years ago, that's out the door. And um, combination and, and functional resumes are, are right in there. Something that looks different now is, can also be a great eye-catching aspect. Well, Lauren, it's been great to catch up and uh, and see you again. But before we go, and I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, talk about your services. Talk about where people can can learn more about you and maybe even sign up for your regular email that comes out. Yeah, absolutely. So laurenkellycoaching.com is my website. It's L-O-R-E-N kellycoaching.com. And right there on the homepage, I actually have a resume checklist. So you can kind of look and see, is my resume falling into kind of the common and generic area? Or am I really putting out my best um, outcomes and efforts in front of employers? Uh, that's a great way to get in contact with me. But resume and, and cover letter services are a package. So if you want a resume, I, I will do that cover letter right there with you. I find a lot of candidates have a, a difficult time writing about themselves that feels braggy. So uh, that is that is just comes with the resume so that you have a great polished cover letter to tweak for the positions for which you're applying. In addition to that, I also do interview prep. So if it's been a while since you've been in an interview or you're just not confident in those skills, I'll sit down with you and help you get prepared for for the questions that will be coming your way. Well, from a uh, high school teacher to military spouse to college uh, instructor and advisor and 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 a coach to many, uh, I guess we'll say, and a resume uh, cover letter expert, Lauren, it's been a good career adventure for you so far. Absolutely. I wouldn't change any of it. All right. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.